Simba. You must remember who you are. The one true king. Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And we're on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Draper. Hey, y'all. Um, BlurredCon has just passed, and unfortunately, we couldn't be there. However, the most surprising aspect of the show was a group of people who did some uh, Jet Set Radio cosplay. Jet Set Radio is one of my favorite games of all time. It's actually the inspiration for Blurred Up's logo design. To me, it's the greatest hip-hop game of all time. I've been waiting for a re-release or a sequel for years. Just watching that viral video of the cosplay, uh, you can find it on the Facebook page, Legend of Micah, M-I-C-A-H. I'm sure he's on Instagram as well. But anyway, it just, it almost brought tears to my eyes. I was actually really impressed by it. Like, I, it wasn't, like, one of my favorite games. It was on Genesis, right? Skirt! Dreamcast, son. Dreamcast, all right, all right. Yeah, I knew it was some Sega Sega something, but I was I was always a big Nintendo head, so. All right. Um. Anyway... Before we get to the main discussion, which is The Lion King 2019, um, I want to talk about something very important to me. We are in an unprecedented time, a terrifying march towards an even more fascist United States, and nothing illustrates that more than the concentration camps that have been built around the country, where dozens of immigrants seeking refuge from the violence and living conditions of their home countries have died in U.S. custody. At least six children have died because of it, dead in our prisons. It's cliche to say that many wonder how regular civilians allowed Nazis to do what they did to the Jews before and during World War II. But look at the present. Look at the number of people who ignored our cries when we declared that our lives mattered. Look at the number of women who are left alone to protest government control over their bodies. There are more distractions in our lives and obstacles to tire and scare us than ever while human beings are languishing in these camps. Children who will certainly be scarred for life. I want to share a powerful quote that's helping to guide me now, and I hope it resonates with you. Each step was so small, so inconsequential, so well explained or on occasion regretted that unless one understood what the whole thing was in principle, what all these little measures must someday lead to, one no more saw it developing from day to day than a farmer in his field sees the corn growing. Each act is worse than the last, but only a little worse. You wait for the next and the next. You wait for one great shocking occasion, thinking that others, when such a shock comes, will join you in resisting somehow. You don't want to act. 
or even talk alone. You don't want to go out of your way to make trouble. But the one great shocking occasion when tens or hundreds or thousands will join you never comes. That's the difficulty. The forms are all there, all untouched, all reassuring. The houses, the shops, the jobs, the mealtimes, the visits, the concerts, the cinema, the holidays. But the spirit, which you never noticed because you made your lifelong mistake of identifying it with the forms, is changed. Now you live in a world of hate and fear, and the people who hate and fear do not even know it themselves. When everyone is transformed, no one is transformed. You have accepted things you would not have accepted five years ago, a year ago, things your father could have never imagined. This is from Milton Meyer's book, They Thought They Were Free. Damn. Yeah. Before I started Blurred Up a year ago, uh, most of my internet presence was dedicated to politics. I managed online content for two leftist groups. I've been enjoying my time working on Blurred Up this past year, but more than ever, I feel bad simply ignoring the crises of today just to rip on and celebrate products from corporations that are themselves apathetic and active in our collective oppression. It would be unfair and immoral on my part to do and say nothing. Don't be surprised if we start bringing this stuff up more often on our shows. We may lose some of our audience, but I I really don't care. I feel that. I mean, I've been wanting to talk about uh, the things that have been going on uh, for a while. Um, And um, little bit by little bit, I think I've been uh, talking to Brendan a little bit and saying like, let's not just see be uber focused on one particular thing. Let's take in everything that's happening in the week. And if that's politics that week, then, then for sure we need to talk about that. Yeah. I would like to explore what we can do for sure. We often see how sad and anger inducing the situation has become, but I want to point out some ways that we can't help. Um, not everyone has the capacity to give or act the same way, but that shouldn't deter us from doing anything at all. So I got some information from the media site Colorlines, and it does great reporting on social political issues involving people of color. So number one, call the Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services. Um, They've created an online form that makes it easy to email your congressional representation to tell them you want better conditions in these camps again don't be afraid to hold congress accountable for their atrocities number two donate to advocacy groups i'll share a list of them but i will put some links in the comments to help guide you so number one there's the women's refugee commission american gateways which is focused on texas along with the texas civil rights project There's Angry Tias and Abuelas, Immigrant Justice Now, and Immigrant Families Together. Number three, you can report on and document immigrant raids in your neighborhood. Uh, The site MigraWatch has a hotline to call or text to report ICE or CBP activity. Number four, 
look up protests in your area and join them. If there are none, start one. Community is so important in these desperate times. And number five, at the very least, read more about this situation and share it. My personal favorite news outlets are Democracy Now!, The Intercept, and The Young Turks, all independent media. The Facebook groups Abolish ICE and Close the Camps are constantly updating with news about this specific situation. Um, the ACLU has a wonderful outline of rights everyone has when they encounter ICE. And I'll also put that link in the comments. I also listen to the Young Turks every morning. I watch their live show every morning Yeah. Um, to, to kind of get a take on what's going on in the news. Democracy Now! a little bit later in the day on my lunch break usually. Um, and then I'll go through and I'll look at what's happening from how things are being covered from other websites as well. Um, I, I really, really would encourage people to um, listen to and watch independent news yeah. uh, and support independent news. Uh, there are um, David Pakman as well has a very interesting perspective and is very uh, thoughtful. Um, you can see him uh, interacting with some people from the Young Turks and everything as well. Um, but yeah, I, I um, think that it's really important to stay knowledgeable. Me over here in Korea, um, being knowledgeable, sharing information with people back home in my home community and making sure that people are uh, getting involved as well. That would be something uh, that is going to bring a lot of value to everyone. I lived in Texas. Um, I lived in Houston, Texas for a while. And um, my high school was actually 70 something percent Hispanic. You know, and um, I know people that disappeared even back then. Fuck. You know, people that um, just didn't come back to school, you know, in the in the middle of the school year or, you know, a month or so into the school year. Um, we just kind of either either they had to quit going to school so that they could work um, or they their family got taken or, you know, something happened with their family. So um, this is something that I've known about. Um, on a smaller scale for a long time. Um, but, but now it's, we're in a political environment where, um, you look at a lot of people who may support these policies and maybe even some people who don't support these policies, but they support the politicians who support these policies. Mm. And, what you, what you were going, what, what you said about the cliche, you know, like the people who always think about not really supporting uh, immigration reform or something else like that. Um, but they often couch it inside of this idea of just like, I just want economic reform. I'm hurting economically and that's why I'm doing this. And they take this privileged position, you know, back in Nazi Germany, there were the people that kind of looked away because like, oh, I might benefit economically or something else like this. Absolutely. Um, until they realize they don't realize that it's going to come down to them at some point as well. It's going to roll down. Even from a, a consumer standpoint, right? There was the Prime Day boycott. And I saw some people online like, man, fuck these people. I, I need to get get my deals. But what people fail to understand is they weren't just striking for their own conditions. They were striking also because Amazon was contributing heavily to these facilities. Exactly. Um, I don't know if AWS is actually supporting their networks. 
um, the Amazon Web Services and everything, but Amazon Web Services is behind everything these days. Mm. People don't realize that they're not even making most of their money on your consumer products. They're making all of their money by supporting the backbone and being the backbone of all the major companies, mm. you know, um, all the major companies' websites, all the major companies, you know, platforms and everything are ran on AWS and they are making a ton of money. And that's where they're, they're, all of our information is stored basically on AWS servers. So um, a lot of times you may not see that they're contributing directly or be, but behind the scenes, you look at what AWS is doing and who's uh, supp- keeping their uh, tech, technical infrastructure up and it's probably amazon um when when your favorite website goes down when twitter goes down when facebook or images or something go down you can probably look back and say like oh something happened to aws some redundancy or something failed uh, and they'll get it back up again Uh, a lot of these companies have their own servers and things like that but um you have to look and see uh, behind the scenes what these companies are doing because just because you don't see Amazon's logo on the front of something doesn't mean that they're not uh, complicit in whatever atrocities might be inactive inact- yeah exactly yeah well just do what you can speaking of fascism the Lion King segue so let's get into it so today we're going to review the lion king 2019 not to be confused with the 1994 classic which many say is the best from disney's renaissance period some say it's still the best disney movie of all time i probably fall into that category how about you yeah um as i mean i can say that um i'm a bit older than you uh and i was in high school uh, at that time uh, but I mean, I like Disney movies as an adult. Um, I'll go see a Disney film, you know, as an adult with no kids basically. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that, um, I'm just too cool for Disney, but I, I would still categorize it as one of my favorite and one of the best, uh, of all time. Yeah. I've always had a fascination with the Lion King because of how much it references some real aspects of lion behavior. So for those who may not know, in an actual lion pride, there is one primary male lion that rules. I like the fact that Disney kind of sidesteps the very real possibility that Nala is Simba's half-sister. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Mufasa probably made it with Serafina around the same time he did with Sarabi. I think she came, she was born a little bit earlier than Simba in the canon. All right, if you say so... (laughs) Strap in. I I I went deep on some on some uh, on some right. history. You knew you knew you knew all the the, the bedside schedule and everything. Huh? <laughs> you know. So let me let me keep going going. There are one or two lesser males that may mate with the Linuses, uh, in a in a real pride. So Scar would represent that role. And the direct to video sequel. Have you seen that movie? No. Okay. Uh, Show that he was getting busy, and his offspring definitely looks different than Simba and. Nala and Simba Nala's daughter actually mates with that person, so she pretty much made it with her cousin. Okay, sidestepped, right? Yeah, we're getting into like all the the p- political breeding 
and everything like that that the royalty is known for, huh? Game keep, of Lions. Keep it in family, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, the, that's the Lannisters down to a T, man. It's Lions and pride. everything. There's their, that's their logo. That's their uh, uh, sigil. So uh, I remember watching a lion documentary where two brothers were wandering in search of a pride to take over, and they challenged a dominant male to a fight. So thinking about this movie, I, I want to see a prequel where a younger Scar and Mufasa are like homeboys plotting to like run another male out of Pride Rock to take it over. And then it like changes to a horror film where they, they probably kill the cubs in order to, to spread their genes. <laughs> I am so creeped out creeped out by your like thought process right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, and, it, and it's going to be like directed by Jordan Peele and everything as well. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> Did you know that male lions may also kill lionesses that refuse to mate? I had no idea. I I went heavy on this stuff, man. I mean, I figure that that's the way that it went down. I figure like that once once the guy is in charge, that there's a hierarchy and you you bend or you break. We'll get there actually on some on some uh, in the review. Male lions may also kill their own cubs. So. I was thinking, as annoying as Simba was in the beginning of the movie, Mufasa could have actually just killed him in frustration and just hit hit the reset. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's other wives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in in an alternate storyline, if Mufasa survived, he probably would have chased Simba off Pride Rock once he got to maiden age, as lions do. Simba might have matured with Timon and Pumbaa, only to return to chase his own father off of Pride Rock, if not kill him. Or find another pride, right? Because yeah. that's you. I mean, that's, that's usually how it works. happens. Yeah. You know, they wander around until they. I mean, they're young, strapping young buck. You know, and then, or I guess buck is the wrong term. Uh, but exactly, I mean that that type of thing. And they go and they run someone else off, and then they spread their genes, right. basically, and that's how they diversify the gene pool. Right. Yeah. So the fact that this movie is kind of all about this monarchy is kind of weird yeah i mean i i noticed the the harem aspect of it just like when i was younger i w- i didn't even like think too too deeply about it but like watching it as an adult i'm just like oh wow it's just mufasa and a bunch of lionesses right and in his crib in his crib and they're just like laying around and i was just like start think of some you know big satined room with pillows Mufasa's thrown pimp. about and everything else like that oh simba i need you to Leave the room for for a while. Go go play with Nala. I'll, I'll be busy for a while. Yeah, let's get to it. For Dad, real, Dad, is it okay if I go to the elephant grave? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Just yeah, get yeah, out yeah, of yeah. here. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Lion King is probably my favorite childhood movie. Period. Um, my first Disney film in the theater was Aladdin, but on the brink of turning nine, The Lion King was the first movie I remembered everything as a child. It was the first time I saw my dad cry. It was the last movie I remember seeing with my entire family. I've probably watched this movie as many times as I am years old. So you would understand that my expectations for this new film were extremely high. I would say that I maybe watched it twice in my entire life, the animated version. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to basically say, oh, yeah, that was dope, you know, like. You know, but I know the story. Sure. You know, um, and um, yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna come at this from a slightly different perspective of, from you. And I that's can good. Tell. That's good. Um, 
I think of all the remakes, this has the most pressure and excitement to date. It's tied with Aladdin and Beauty the Beast for the most critically acclaimed of the animated films from that period. The director is Happy Hogan himself, John Favreau, who directed, in my opinion, the best of the live-action remakes so far, The Jungle Book from 2016, which sits at a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I really like Jungle Book. Yeah, it was really great. However, The Lion King has been going through some early turmoil because early reviews have overall not been kind. As of right now, it is certified rotten on RT with a 58% of reviewers saying it's worth your time. I would say that I'm getting to the point now with Rotten Tomatoes where I just feel like it's kind of toxic anyway. And anybody that's going to be outraged or something about, they're just going to really put all their energy into making sure that that Rotten Tomatoes thing is not going to work out. I'm, I'm not sure if I can even trust Rotten Tomatoes anymore. Not that it was ever went into my decision making as to whether to go see a film or not. But I just feel like, Time after time, it's a game of cat and mouse with Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes trying to figure out a way to keep a a modicum of reliability. I think that's more about the audience score versus like the critic score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would use Metacritic, but I didn't have time to get those numbers maybe on a a later show. So anyway, for comparison, Aladdin has a 57% and Dumbo has a 46%. These are films that came out this year. I, it's funny for me because I saw the IMDb's and I compared the IMDb's uh, between the two Lion Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it got a lot blacker. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, without further detour. We don't really have to do a um, a spoiler-free review, do we? No, folks. It's beat for beat. Nearly. There are some slight differences and we'll go into them but they're not they're not major plot elements whatsoever. This is this is the same movie. So actually, you know what? Before same story, we, not same movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh I actually got yelled at by my boss. I was telling my boss today, I was like, you know, so I like you. He's like, shut up, 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 shut up. I'm like what it's the same movie. This is not Endgame. What are you talking about? Anyway, let's get into it. Does this new movie hold up to the original or not? First, boy, save it. Save it for later. First, it's obvious from the trailers that the, the hyper-realism is what you would expect from Disney. High quality. What isn't shown is that the animators have studied the animals of the Serengeti, and so even though... Most of the film are, as Draper said, side-by-side shots of the original. There are a few seconds here or there of added scenes of animals just being more natural and making this not-real-place feel a little more real. Yeah. Uh, I would say that the hyper-realistic animation um, is what we're getting now. We we were saying before everyone was calling it a live action remake, Mm -hmm. but it's really hyper realistic animation. There's no way that you're going to do live action with like a bunch of animals, right? you know, and have it be anything other than pure comedy or like, like homeward bound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like telepathic animals. So, so, so it's, it's hyper realistic animation and it is well done. It's incredible. I mean, 
you see the trailer and you want to see the movie because of the hyper realistic animation. Um, I see Brandon uh, having a a little bit of a disagreement. I can say he's 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 not really agreeing with me. So let's hear it. No, we, let we'll get there later, bro. We'll get there later. <laughs> we will get there later. Oh, believe me. The voice acting. Uh. Some of the voice acting is fine. J.D. McQuarrie is solid as young Simba. Yeah. As is Shahadi Wright Joseph as Nala. Y'all may remember her as Zora, the older sister from Us. Donald Glover and Beyonce are solid. Yeah. I I, I like Donald Glover version uh, over the Matthew Broderick version, to be honest, um, as far as voice. Um, there was even a moment where I really thought like, oh, Donald Glover, really Donald Glover did. So, um, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's a Donald Glover take on Simba, but um, I, I like, and I don't think Matthew Broderick could have done it. And we can talk about that moment a little bit later. Sure. Alfie Woodard doesn't have as many lines as Sarabi, but I thought she was, she was fine too. Yeah. Yeah. I For, mean, Alfie Woodard is not trash. I mean, like I mean, she's, she's got an amazing she's, voice yeah, she's and fantastic. she's a fantastic actor. So, you wouldn't expect her to flub anything or phone anything in either. For me, I don't know about you, but for me, the standout is Florence Kasumba. Uh, she's yes. T'Challa's main bodyguard in Civil War and Black Panther. Move, or you will be moved. As entertaining as that would be. She she's has this Grace Jones vibe that just exudes Im- intimidation and German, beauty. German Ugandan. Yeah. Yeah. She plays the female hyena Shinzi, and how she performs and what's written for her is different from the original. While Whoopi Goldberg's version is simply one part of a comedy trio alongside Cheech Marin and Jim Cummings, this version of Shinzi is the matriarch of the hyena pack, and she's visibly larger, uh, closer to how real hyenas are. And there ain't shit funny about her. No, it's not. It's not comedy at all. It's it's very much just like she's scary. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I found her more terrifying than Scar. To be honest. Yeah, and that's that's the way it played out. <laughs> yeah, even watching her read her lines to JD McCreary in some of the the BTS footage, I was terrified. Let them go, Shenzi. They made a mistake. A horrible mistake. But if you do this, you will start a war with Mufasa. Hyenas and lions have been at war since the beginning of time. So you can't do anything to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's telling me what to do. His father's strength flickering inside. I wonder how all that bravery will taste. Uh, It it. It really looked like she was about to murder this child on set. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Run, bitch! Run for your life!" <laughs> like uh, F- John Favreau or whatever, like that. They they had like a a little promo thing that they had some behind yeah. the scenes promo, and he's just like, "I really like putting them all together in the same room and having them act against each other." Yeah, and just having like uh, Florence Kasumba basically like, her in eyes there with like two kids. I was just <laughs> were terrifying. Exactly. I'm. I literally thought she was about to like murder these kids on the set. Like, get get out of character now, 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 now! Snap, snap, snap! Stir, yeah. stir the tea, something! Jesus exactly. Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, snap out of it! Yeah. Um, those method actors, man. Right. Keep them away from your kids. I mean, that that kid probably had nightmares going home. 
I don't know. Kids probably seen worse in Hollywood. Uh, oh, ouch. I truly want to see her do more voice acting in the future. Acting, voice acting. Yeah, I'll ev- take her every, I'll, in her. everything. Yeah. Do everything, please. Keegan-Michael Key is Kamari. It's nice to see Key doing his thing out of the shadow of Jordan Peele. He was in Toy Story 4. Um, he's just really talented. It's cool to see Disney looking out for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was going to, I mean, they went in two different directions, I think. Uh, Keegan Michael Key is always, he's never, I, I don't, I think he's always been the kind of lighter side, you know, and it's, yeah. it's played out that way as well as, yeah. as far as Jordan Peele, like following his uh, darker instincts and, uh, and, and Keegan Michael Key kind of being a little bit sillier. Uh, so, I, I mean, I like, I like what I see so far. Yeah. Um, I didn't see Toy Story 4, but. Uh, I I heard that it's got. You, you should, know, man. It's really good. I didn't see Toy Story three yet, it, so I, it doesn't matter. Okay, I don't, I don't think right. I don't think it really matters. All right, cool, cool. Eric Andre plays Azizi, <laughs> the silliest of the hyenas. He's he kind of replaced Ed, and of course Ed didn't really talk, but this, but Eric Andre act, does have lines. Uh, there's a chuckle worthy kind of dynamic between him and Key's character that has a few recurrences in the first half. Yeah. Uh, that was actually, uh, I actually wanted to, I, I hope to see like a, a little bit more, but, um, I was satisfied with what we got with, with them. It wasn't too, too hyena heavy. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I liked, I thought Eric Andre, I thought they were going to highlight Eric Andre and Kiko Michael Key to have a little, a few more lines, mm-hmm. uh, due to just the casting of them and, oh, sure. wow, this is kind of a, you know, a high profile casting in this day and age. I think, um, Eric Andre is like the king of like weird memes and everything else. I mean, like that, and so. he really plays Eric Andre in this. He's, he's, he's an absolute troll. Yeah. He's in character. And yeah. He's, he's basically, this is like a perfect casting. So absolutely. Do you have anything else to add for, for, uh, for casting the positives? Oh, the positives. Um, I liked Billy Eichner, um, as Timon. Okay. I thought that even a lot of the things that they said, like in, high action sequences or like under their breath or Mm -hmm. while something else was going on. Like there was a lot of detail put into kind of Timon's uh, kind of dialogue. And I thought that a lot of his jokes got off and, you know, like I I picked up on a lot of things there. Billy Eichner was good. I thought Seth Rogen would be better, Um, but he was a decent Pumbaa and Pumbaa was okay. But um, I I was actually surprised because I I wasn't really checking for Billy Eichner, but he he did an all right job as as Timon. I, I agree with that. Um, so, okay. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's literally everything else oh, good about. This okay. Movie. So we're not just talking about casting. I mean, if if you think, if we have any other positives, we can add them now. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Dumping. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, mm, all right. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's do it. All right, y'all, strap in. I I got questions. I got questions okay. that are you know. Just, okay, we'll, we'll talk about them, but y'all buckle up. Here we go. <sighs> but wait, what about the other voice actors? You may ask. Well, before that, let's go back to the first positive I gave this movie, so I can tear this shit down. The hyperrealism has actually been divisive amongst people from the trailers. If you were worried that the new art direction would take away from the human expressions and mannerisms that made the original so so great, well, you are absolutely correct. 
the eyes and mouths are not animated well, which is critical for an animated film like this, leaving only the voice to indicate mood. Okay, so um, you said that they didn't express themselves. They weren't very expressive. Is is that what you just said? Yeah. Um, I said what I said. Okay. All right. Um, well, I'm. I just feel like I go back to your comment of saying like uh, they reference a, a lot of real lion behavior, mm-hmm. and I thought that the the expressions were not cartoonish. Um, as far as just you know, like how would a lion's actual lips work? Or, you know, um, how big can their eyes actually get? You know, these types of things, right? So the hyper-realism, you know, extends into, and and I think that they did a really good job of just like, this is, you know, a lion's actual face, and this is the way that, uh, the limited way that a lion might be able to express facially, you know, uh, some sort of an emotion. And, but that's the problem. Um, or a, a warthog, or you know whatever. Sure, I mean all of them, but that's the problem to me. You, um, what separates the Jungle Book and the Lion King is in the Jungle Book there these, were more apes. No, I, I mean yes, but in the Jungle Book there were more human characters, but the animals wanted to be animals. They were just raising a boy to be one of them. I mean, of course, King Louis wanted to be like him, but it wasn't as pronounced as a, a lot of things that are happening in The Lion King. There wasn't any mysticism, magic in this. Not only is The Lion King having animals do more human actions and having more human behavior, but they're also practicing just supernatural things too, which it you remove a lot of that that energy and fun, which I'll get into in a lot of examples going forward, it just takes so much away from the movie, in my opinion. Of course, if someone sees this version for the first time and they haven't seen the original, I mean, sure, uh, you know, your your little five-year-old kid may be like, oh, yeah, cool, there's a lion talking. But for anyone who has seen the original and see this kind of diluted version, there's there's just, there's no comparison, in my, in my opinion. Um, I want to talk about two things that were cut from the beginning that already let me know that this is going to be shit. And they happened during the opening. Uh, during the Circle of Life song, Zazu flies over the crowd and lands and bows to Mufasa at the birth ceremony. Now, in the original, Mufasa is animated to give a warm smile to an old friend. In this movie, he kind of glances at him and then coldly just keeps looking out at the crowd. Two, then came Rafiki. In the original, he and Mufasa come in and embrace each other like they were like they were homies, like bring it in, man, before he went to go see young Simba. In this movie, Rafiki merely just kind of rubs his head. It's just, it's so sanitized. You may think like, oh, these are just these small little nitpicks, but every single scene, because The Lion King is a movie that doesn't waste any of its time and scenes. Everything is so meticulous and just the alchemy is so perfect that you know every single line, how it's delivered, every scene. And this new movie just kind of scrubbed a lot of that soul from it. How do you feel about that? Again, I I, I haven't, you know, watched The Lion King as many times. It hasn't been as ingrained into to my soul and my being. Um, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I didn't walk out of the movie angry. 
Um, I had some, I, I even had some, some feels going on in the movie. Um, so it, I think you, the thing that you said about, you know, seeing this movie without seeing the original one, I think, I think it'll be fine for a lot of people. Um, I think it'll be good enough for a lot of people, you know? And I mean, there's a whole lot of like, uh, they don't make music like they used to going on, like in here, you know, where, um, the version that we had or the version that we grew up on, you know, automatically has like more nostalgia, more feeling. And, you know, we connect to it a lot more, but I think that it's not like the worst. It's maybe one of the worst kind of, it's maybe a big letdown for a lot of people who grew up with the Lion King, but I don't know I, on its own. I think it does. Okay. I think it, I mean, the story is still the story. Yeah, of course. You know, um, the arc is still the arc. I'm going to address some of those things. We'll, we'll keep going. I, I personally find that a cop out answer, but I don't want to, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Cause I'll, I'll, I'll get to some more examples. When these animals are hyper-realistic and these things happen to them, for example, Sire, Simba's in the gorge, and there's a stampede. Mufasa's eyes are just like, oh, word. I mean, sure, well, I guess they better animate me running fast because you aren't going to get any, really, any real concern on my face. Um, Mufasa's frantically looking for his son amongst a stampede. Nothing. Uh, the devilish grin and, and the looks that made Scar the one of the great not one but the greatest Disney villain of all time are completely absent in this movie. Um Zazu may be scared often, but his eyes never enlarge to indicate anything. Um Simba recognizing Nala as an adult, hollow. Uh Simba hearing that Rafiki knows him, nothing. Uh Simba hearing his father's voice in the clouds, zero emotion, nothing. Scar revealing that I killed Mufasa empty i mean i could really go on it just it just feels like for me the this argument is coming from a place like a per, there are a lot of people that like animation better than they like live action films you know and they're gonna like animation for a lot of reasons because animations are not subtle you know they don't have any subtlety they show you know like but oh, this wow, is the animated emotion. it's an animated it, movie it is but it's approaching we gonna reality. Fight. We, we gonna fight. I'm gonna yeah, come you're mad. You're mad. You're big mad. I understand it, but like, as as far as like, there are always gonna be some people, and maybe you you disagree with me when I say there are some people that like animation more than they like live action films, and they like it for a lot of the same reasons. Why ah, this character, I can see what's going on. I can see this, that, and the other. There are all these elements that you do in animated film. I'm not debating that people have preferences. What I'm saying is. I don't like calling things an animated film or it's a live action film or whatever. Whatever direction serves the film and the story the best, that's what you should go with. And with The Lion King, like I said, I don't want to repeat myself too much but because we're, we're going to go long. When you inject these human situations and emotions and mannerisms into a film and you're expecting them to perform as such, and you take that away because they're like real, kind of real now, it, it's, it's a half measure, it's a half step to me. But, but it's also the same people that got really upset about like 
high frame rate versions of like the Hobbit or something else no, like that. I, I, I think you're going to a different tangent now. This is this is not this is not relative. It's like you're 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 kind of doing this like old man yells at cloud thing, but it's not what this is about. It's not what it's about. If this was a different film, a completely different movie, and we're saying, oh, this is not good. I miss the old animated uh, 2D stuff, not not the Zootopia 3D stuff, and that's one thing. But this is literally a remake of probably the most celebrated Disney film of all time that captured a cultural zeitgeist that we have never seen before since. So it was never, ever, ever going to be able to live up to it. So what's what's the the point? I mean, I don't. Here's the thing: I didn't know that it wouldn't, but it didn't. So let's let's get going. I, I really don't want to like stay on this too much. The environments to me are also overall boring. Nothing like the bright colors and backgrounds of the original movie. Um, when Scars Be Prepared from the original film has brighter colors than Pride Rock at the height of its glory and hyperrealism, you got a problem. Okay. <laughs> um, the the difference I will admit uh, between Scars Pride Rock and Mufasa's Pride Rock was, you know negligible as far as the color palette you know it's just like you know dusk versus you know um you know full daytime basically but sure all right let's go back to the rest of the voice actors now <clears throat> yeah uh let's start with your boy vader uh james old jones yeah who reprised his role as mufasa over the telephone did he did he did he phone this one <laughs> You know, I mean, I saw some BTS stuff, and he he was actually at the studio, but really, it feels like he's too bored or just simply too old yeah. to do this again. But then why ask that person to come back and reprise that role if, I mean, a lot of actors would be bored to come back and do the same thing twice. It's, it's a check, right? It's a check. I mean, Disney's been paying him. He's been in the Clone Wars doing Vader and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really... So, I mean, you watched ahead. the Clone Wars, the animated Clone Wars. Yeah. And how does he do as Vader in the Clone Wars? Well, the thing is, because Vader doesn't have a lot of lines, even in the original films, he's, you know, very kind of reserved. He was fine. I mean, there wasn't enough in it for me to... He wasn't... Like, it wasn't like episodes were dedicated to him. He was only in, you know, a scene or two. But for this movie, everything he said felt like a diluted version of the original performance. And again, without the animation on his face... It, it was just depressing to me. One of the most memorable quotes to me from the original is when he reprimands Simba for going beyond the Pride Lands with Nala. And I feel like I don't even have to say it. Everyone knows it. Like, you know, Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. But in this one, it's almost like Disney made an AI to simulate a robot version of James Earl Jones' voice. He was like, Simba, you deliberately disobeyed me. And what's worse, you put Nala in danger. Like, it, it felt so robotic. It didn't have, like, the vibrato, like, Simba. No. You know, or anything else no. like that. Uh, John Oliver plays Zazu, and he plays it as last week tonight's John Oliver. Yeah. He often goes into these random stories just to be jolted back into the present moment to run or, or fly for his life. And, boy, he cannot sing. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's no Rowan Atkinson, Bruh, His part in the "I just can't wait to be king" is atrocious. Yeah, I thought that they definitely could have uh, given him some auto tune or, or something. something. Talk to talk to Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Remix. 
Uh, John Connie, who was T'Chaka in Black Panther, is Rafiki. And I, you know, the casting there was good, but some of Rafiki's most important scenes were cut from this movie, and that really bugged me. The scene where he hits Simba with the stick, teaching him about forgetting the past, is completely gone. He doesn't even have the stick with him when he goes to find Simba. Hmm. Uh, him yelling at Simba to get away from here. Woo! And he's yelling amidst, you know, that, that, that choir, hmm. sending Simba back to Pride Rock is completely absent. His delivery about Mufasa living, he lives in you. Everyone, I mean, God, there's so many quotables from this movie. Just the way that it was delivered was just not as good as the original. His scene doing the kung fu against the hyenas is substituted for just kind of kind of just wild, joyless kind of swinging, like like an old man trying to get kids off his lawn. Clint Eastwood. You said that you that you liked Bill Eichner. I thought that, you know he he was fine. Uh, as you, I agree with you that Seth Rogen could have been better, but I didn't like their Hakuna Matata. I thought it was lame. Yeah, uh, I wasn't in love with the song, but there were some moments, uh, some smaller moments when um, they were um, they were walking away and like Simba was trying to like take their song and he was like, oh, he's riffing now. Right. You know, and everything yeah. else like that, where there were some moments yeah. where it's just like, all right, that's a, that got a smile out of me, basically. Sure. Doing his little, you know, runs and everything up and down uh, yeah. the little scales. So that was all right. Did you know that Phil Lamar was in this movie? No, but I'm not surprised. This is what Phil Lamar does now. <laughs> Phil Lamar, the greatest black voice actor of all fucking time, is in this movie. Samurai Jack, the only Green Lantern we recognize, Aquaman, Hermes, Static Shock. I mean, I could I could do an entire show on what Phil Lamar has done for the culture. Y'all would have never guessed he was in this movie until you looked it up. Did you pick out what he was? Nope. An Impala. <laughs> oh, he was that Impala. And he had like two lines. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, I, I, the the Impala that you know said, "Oh, I thought you were a real lion." That one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Criminal. <laughs> Criminal, Criminal misuse of uh, Phil Lamar's it's talent. Phil, it's Phil fucking Lamar, y'all. Phil fucking Lamar. Phil Lamar. If you're hearing this, ple- bruh, that depressed me, because I read about it before. So I'm I'm going into seeing is he an Impala? Like, are they gonna like make this a a bigger deal? to let him really be Phil Lamar. Bruh. <sighs> Give this man his fair due. Give him his flowers. Give him his roses, man. It's Phil Lamar. Yeah, I mean, but a lot of times, you know, like Phil Lamar's, you know, he's got work to do. You know, he's 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 man about town. He's this, that, and the other. Bruh. And, you know, it's just like, oh, I'll just come through and do a quick cameo. You, you know, this, me, that, and the me, other. To me, pass it, bruh. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's keep going. I'll, 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 bro, it's but, but, a, but a lot of huge stars do those type of cameos, right? I know, but, or, but or, he's not. He, he, okay. All right. You mad. <sighs> he mad. All right. Overall, for me, I don't know how you feel about it. There, there's some. But the voice talent in here aren't the characters. I just hear the actors the entire time doing their shtick they do in real life. Like, and we talk about Eric Andre. I think for him, that worked. But for some others I wasn't feeling it and like the original was such a rich ensemble that just blended so well the actors became the characters and not the other way around as you said you know it's Childish Gambito doing his version of Simba but for me to me Simba is just Simba to me I mean it doesn't matter if Matthew Broderick did it but like 
to me, he's just Simba. He's just Simba. Um, James Earl Jones didn't do Mufasa. He just he just is Mufasa. You know what I'm saying? I don't know the actress who played Nala, but she was just, she was just Nala. Timon and Pumbaa, they're just who they are. Um, Rafiki, was it Robert? Guillaume. Yeah, I mean. Benson. Yeah, like <laughs> you can't touch it. And Scar of all. And, and, and Jeremy really, Irons, man. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there very soon. Um, but yeah, just, you know, with the original film, it was like no one really outshined the other. I mean, beside Mufasa, but he was just a force. Yeah. Whereas this movie sometimes just feels forced. And so lastly, we will get to Scar. And like I said, to me, he's the greatest Disney villain of all time. I honestly believe that, help me with, with this man's name. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did what he could, but he's definitely no Jeremy Irons. I mean, you could hear in the trailer, just how he talks. It's so, of course, it's, you know, British and, you know, mischievous, but Jeremy Irons had that, just that. It That's something that they do, right? What do you mean? Uh, I, I understood that when they have an English language speaking movie, they other some voice in order to make them villainous. They give them a slight accent, like a British accent. Oh, sure. Or something else like that, where everyone else has like the more American style yeah. or North American style. And then they other one person basically and give them that kind of British accent. Oh, yeah. In order to set them away from the sure. other people and say like, and also make them dark yeah. and make them make their pigment darker. And I, I kind of want to talk about that, but I won't talk about it on this show. I have something else planned for that. But colorism in Africa. Oh uh, yeah, let's let's uh yeah, we'll save it. Um, but yeah, again, without the animations of Scar's looks, I mean, man, remember just how he grinned and uh, his just his looks. Everything he did was just less than all the time. And when he was like, "Long live the king," flat, and be prepared is his big number. And instead yeah. of being the three minute epic that we know and love, it's shortened to maybe what, 20, 30 seconds? I would say about close to a minute, all all, all things given. Ah, man. I mean, it was like him talking the setup and then he started talking the lyrics and- It was like spoken word. Yeah, and then he kind of sort of picked it up and then it was over. It was over before you knew it. And there's no involvement from the hyenas at all. The The fascist march among the geysers, the xylophone bone playing, the rising earth that Scar ascends at the climax under the crescent moon. Everything you loved about that song is gone. Gone. But who was going to play the xylophone? Stop. That's the problem. <laughs> the Lion King is a movie with animals doing human mannerisms but again we knew that this movie wasn't going to be that from the very beginning we knew it was going to be a more realistic depiction no we we knew that there, i knew that okay i'm surprised you didn't know no, no, that no. here's okay here's what i did know i knew that the art direction was more more realistic of course i mean i was curious how they were going to 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 do everything hmm. but did i expect them to just completely just just throw it out completely all of it? No. And that's okay. Okay, quick question. Would you would you have preferred that they did a completely different story where it's it's the Lion King but it's a reimagining of the Lion King with photorealism or No, just just do something else. I mean, this this whole just retreading of old classics, I mean, it's getting old. I mean, and this is the most egregious like But but see, here's the thing. People don't what's realize the thing? Disney Disney always has done this. 
you know, they had like the old version of like, you know, some princess movie or something else like that. And then they came out with, they have better animation techniques now. No, and no, they no. They come out with a new version that has better animation and everything else. No, like I mean, that. of course. I mean, it's not like uh, Beauty and Beast is a, or Snow White is like a Disney movie, but they did the best version. It's, it, but whatever, but it's not theirs. They've already done it. This is the thing. They've already done it. Anyway, let me, let's go, let's go on. Okay. So the score, so it's about the songs. Um, the score was done by Hans Zimmer, who actually did the original. I didn't know that. Neither did I, but Hans Zimmer is a legend, yeah. basically. The Lion King was actually his first animated film. I did actually hear something about him. Oh, never mind. Keep going. So some interesting trivia, maybe this is what you may be alluding to, about that production. So Zimmer originally wanted to travel to South Africa to record parts of the score but he couldn't because he had a police record there for doing subversive movies. He was involved with a movie called The Power of One, which centered around uh, a boy growing up within apartheid and becoming a resistance fighter. This actually, um, some more trivia, this is, this, that was Daniel Craig's film debut, who's, who's about to be ousted for uh, a new 007. <laughs> anyway... Uh, Disney execs actually feared that he would have been killed if he went down there, so choir recordings were sent to him, and he worked around it. That's for this version? Or no, that was for the, the, the original okay. in 94. Anyway, to me, for this new movie, I feel like every single song is a diluted to terrible version of the classics you remember. And I just can't wait to be king. The parade and like the stacking of animals at at the climax is completely gone. Um, how how do you feel about the songs overall? Um, I felt like the songs were not that good. I mean, but basically, I heard like spirit before the movie came out because mm-hmm. uh, I think Beyonce or you know the studio or whatever released it before, mm-hmm. and um, so I actually heard like. I guess the studio version and not the, the film version. And I wasn't blown away. I mean, Beyonce's an amazing talent. Don't get me beehive. But I mean, this is where I feel the lack of soul because this is where I expected to, you know, feel the soul is in the music. Um, and I didn't feel like the music was very as soulful as it, as it should have been, uh, despite the, the, the voice talent and the, and the the singers that were available. I mean, I think Donald Glover is an amazing singer. I think Beyonce is an amazing singer. Um, however, I wasn't really blown away with the the sound of the music and the feel. Yeah, I I do want to talk a little more about Beyonce's uh, participation. For one, she and Donald Glover sing "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," and it just feels awkward that they're singing their own love song. Uh, it it felt better with other people doing the work and just letting the characters be characters. Beyonce's lo- song, as you said, Spirit, it's, I think, isolated. It's good on its own. But within the context of the movie, especially given just at that point, I was just checked out of the movie. Within the context of the movie, I just found it overbearing and unnecessary. Again, just let Nala be a character. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, don't at me, Beehive, but I don't think I need to be like, yes, queen, every time a black person does something, like, dial it back. I would have much rather the original choral song that follows Simba as he ran back to Pride Rock while Rafiki's, like, yelling at him to do his thing. Uh, It just felt like, I mean, of course, Beyonce probably wants to do a kid's film 
for for her children. But it just feels like you know she's just aching for some Oscar or something. Like this ain't it. She ain't gonna get an Oscar for this. I mean, I don't know. The video was great. Um, I mean, I like the song, but I just just within the movie, I wasn't I wasn't loving it. It's it's just the whole thing of an ensemble. The original Lion King is such an ensemble that no one's really standing out besides, you know, Mufasa. But even within that choral song that sends Simba back home, it's a whole choral and an orchestra all together as kind of, they, they, they kind of represent nature itself or like, or just a spirit themselves of the ancestors or just the circle of life. They, it's the, the, the music is a character in itself. But for this new movie, hearing Bouncy just, spirit, spirit, it's just, I didn't need all that. Yeah, I, I really didn't. I I agree. I I agree one hundred percent. This is I, I think a a moment where we can uh, be bros. <laughs> Blurred bros. Blurred bros. On uh, the music for me was actually quite disappointing. Quite disappointing. Yeah. Um. We're almost done here. Let me just move on here. I. I I don't know if I'm ever going to have a chance to bring this up again, but we talked about like the harem and everything else like that. Okay. But um, <laughs> I thought that the, the one of the cool things, even with Scar, was this idea of kind of consent, which oh. goes against actual lion behavior, right? So he's just like, we, Sarabi, come eat with me. You'll be my queen if you don't. You know. So basically there was coercion. Right. You know, but at the same time, it was like there was a respect of the boundaries. And, they, you know, it was just like he wanted her consent. He wanted her to be able to say, you know, like, you can be with me. I'll be your queen or anything else like that. Mm. And I thought that that was uh, on point. Yeah. But I also think it feeds into his ego, too. He wants to be revered, not like necessarily feared he want you know in this song i want to be seen for the wonder i am and maybe maybe that was part of it but i agree that was a different take it also interesting there was there were a couple things that i'll and i'm actually going to that right now actually these remakes are having trouble demonstrating the need for their existence obviously it's it's for money for disney but for us as viewers why are they here the original jungle book animation wasn't great but favreau added new elements to the film that made it easily superior in my opinion in contrast, like we've been talking about, Lion King is nearly a shot-for-shot shot remake, and almost all the filler just tries to that try to make it distinct is to me irrelevant and don't really hide in the film much at all. But there are some slight tweaks, so we'll go into them. There's a line in the beginning where you know Scar says, "Perhaps you shouldn't turn your back on me," which is delivered again flatly. He said. You know, when Fasa says, is that a challenge? Scar says, I wouldn't dream of challenging you again. So that again implies that maybe that Scar came from a fight they had in, in the past. And even then, and Zazu talks about, why do you let him stay here? He's like, dude, it's my brother. So that's a, that's a slight change. Number two, it's implied that when Scar encounters the hyenas for the first time after Simba and Nala escape from the elephant graveyard, that it's, it's their first time to actually meet and that Scar wants at that point to make a deal with them to take out Mufasa. So in the, in the original, it's been implied that they've been cool for some time. Yeah. Uh, number three, Scar is actually much closer to Mufasa's den than was implied in the original film. Like he's like it's like Mufasa's in like the top floor penthouse, and Mufasa's like he's still on Pride Rock, but he's like on like the on his own ledge, third third floor or something. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 
Eric Andre's thing with uh, Key's character. I mean, I don't. It's funny. I kind of don't want to like say it because because yeah. it, it's funny on some, but it's 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 cool. It, uh, it's kind of what, huh? What, what 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 what's your thinking on that that bit? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's there. There was a there was a couple of I wouldn't call it Jim because it's it, it's it's not that like amazing. It was fine. Okay. It was it was it was good. You know, um, a number, good addition. Yeah, number five. Scar tells the Linuses when he assumes the throne that he needs help with security to secure the borders in order to keep Pride Rock safe. So, he, so that's his reasoning for enlisting the hyenas. In the original, he just says, "You know, we're just going to have a brand new era now. Mm-hmm. That's it." But there's kind of a, kind of you know, obviously a metaphor for for Trump's fascism and keeping the borders safe. And I'm going to you know, enlist these people to help me out. Abolish ICE. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the worst add-on to me was the Rune Goldberg way that Rafiki learns that Simba was still alive. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you're talking about the, the hair scene. Bruh. Okay, so, you know, you know, you know the scene in the original where Simba just kind of sits on some leaves and that wind picks up and it travels to Rafiki and it's really quick and he's yeah. like, oh shit, the dude's alive. Like, he, he smells him and whatever. Yeah. In this movie, he sits down and a piece of his fur travels on the wind for many kilometers yeah a tuft thank you nice a tuft travels many kilometers in the air to a leaf and then a giraffe eats it then it shits it out a dung beetle moves said shit with the fur still inside once it gets hard it it breaks open later and ants take it and carry it up a tree along with other like, like as if it was a leaf where Rafiki randomly sees it grabs it and immediately comes to the conclusion that Simba is alive. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? That's that mysticism, though. You're telling me that a tuft of hair traveled for kilometers. You don't know if, if it was from another pride or not. It's gone through someone's digestive system. Yes, it is. It is It is totally. What what scent is there now yeah. from Simba? This is, it was so stupid. I was so heated. But again, it could also just be that, and I'm giving I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. Don't that Rafiki knew Scar's mane, and this is obviously mane hair. It's not from a lioness, you know. So it's just like ah, there there could only be one other, you know, a lion or something like I mean, that in lions. the Pride Rock area. But he wasn't on Pride Rock though. I I know. But like he was still in the vicinity of Pride Rock. No, I'm sorry, man. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying I'm saying Rafiki was. No, I'm I'm I'm. I'm I, but you're giving the benefit of that. I'm saying no because okay. because the original film was like he had his scent on the wind. So at least he 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 knew what he smelled like because he knew because it was in the air. Yeah. Which I mean, even still, I mean, scent will be scattered across those many kilometers anyway. But anyway, um, Timon and Pumbaa actually sing a longer version of the Lion Sleeps Tonight, and with the aid of other animals in their air, they kind of join in. Mm-hmm. And something funny happens there. I I don't want to spoil that. spoil that either. Yeah. But a person in the audience actually screamed. <laughs> <laughs> screamed. Yeah. I we're winding down. I want to just get into my overall uh, closing notes. Um, I think this movie was a massive disappointment, and I don't recommend it at all. I regret wasting my time watching it, but it created content for the show. So you're welcome. I'm very curious to see how other people will respond to this movie. 
there will be some people who will say, hey, man, you, you, you had your version. You know, let new generation have their own. Well, you know, let's 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 talk for a moment, you know, getting close to the to the, to the speaker here. Um, are you there? OK. Fuck you. This was trash. I kind of feel you. Um, I don't necessarily feel you on this. But I, I, I understand the sentiment and feeling because this is how I felt about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory versus Ooh, Charlie and the Chocolate oh, Factory. God. You know, um, that's exactly my feels because Ooh. I watched Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory probably um, 30 times Same. as I was growing up. Same, it was bro. in the public library and I could rent it for free. Yes. And I could Same. just go down there and get it again and again and watch it as many yes. times. And like that was like my dope. And then like the new one came out and at that time i was like oh okay johnny depp he's he might be the one person that can kind of pull this off and i was i was so disappointed so you're really weird yeah you know oh, so like i, I terrible you, lion king i'm not i'm not like torn ripped apart by this particular remake of mm. it because it wasn't like i like i said i may have seen it twice or mm. something um but for for willy wonka and the chocolate factory i was just like i can't even i can't even look at you you know, just don't waste your money. Don't buy it if it's in the bargain bin at Walmart, two for three DVD, nothing. You know, it's not worth your time. It's a waste of space. So That's exactly like, how I feel about this movie. Exactly okay. how I feel. All right. Well, then I'm feeling you. I'm, I'm on a wavelength, but uh, I don't have the same passion or, okay. or, or kind of tie in for, for Lion King. All right. Well, looking to the future, I like that Mulan is seemingly taking a fresh approach to these remakes, more similar to how Favreau did the, the Jungle Book. Disney takes its lumps, as shown with movies like Dumbo and A Wrinkle in Time. However, they always seem to bounce back. And, and in some instances, critical reviews don't stop their movies from being successful. Like Aladdin, which is approaching $900 million worldwide right now. They're going to do their numbers, regardless. Well, well, like I said, you know, with Dumbo and A Wrinkle in Time, you know, there were these big productions and they, they didn't. So, I mean, The Lion King, I think, is going to open really big. But I think... Because I think it's really going to polarize audiences. I don't see them returning for a second time like they probably did Aladdin. I think Aladdin, I didn't love Aladdin, but it had more going on for it than this film. It definitely expanded its its characters a lot more than just a shot for shot. So it's definitely a better movie to me. Okay, I would say with about Dumbo and mm-hmm. A Wrinkle in Time, what makes those a little bit different is that there's two two things. The mm-hmm. first one is A Wrinkle in Time is kind of more of a niche story for science fiction heads. Sure. You know, and, I, and so a lot of people didn't like, if you didn't read it when you were a kid, you know, like it's a sizable novel. Sure. Um, then like you weren't, you're going to be like, oh, what is this? Uh, check out the poster. It doesn't look that cool, whatever. Um, and Dumbo, it's just like in the age of kind of representation and everything else like that, I just feel like, um, some of the, the, the leads that they chose um, weren't necessarily going to put butts in seats. Colin Farrell? Birdman? What is a... Is Dan, Dan DeVito? No, I know, obviously. Yeah. They, they, but Aladdin, though, I mean, they had Will Smith, but Will Smith isn't a big box office draw like he used to be. It's just because Aladdin is such a, a popular film. Hmm. Anyway, I don't want to go on too much longer. Okay. Um, do you have anything else that, that you want to say? I just I just remembered that like there was a the moment uh I can't remember what song it was uh but I noticed that the audio sounded a little bit 
canned. Okay. The audio itself, like, you know, like I was hearing, I wasn't hearing like, and I was in an IMAX theater with, you know, really good sound and everything else like that. But uh, I wasn't, and I was, I was actually really shocked to see that it was Hans Zimmer again this time. Yeah. Um, Because I was just like, it, it, like the score and the music in general just weren't hitting me like, like they did before. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, just, I mean, that's my biggest disappointment with the movie in general is the music and the sound. Uh, the visuals and the story and some of the smaller details didn't bug me as much, but um, but yeah, definitely, I'm going there for the music. I'm going there for the songs. I'm going there to, you know, get that vibe again because I did hear the soundtrack more than twice. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like the the soundtrack could get played. You know? Oh what I'm yeah. Saying? So, um, so for me, uh, that was what I was going and expecting, and that was a big disappointment for me. So, do you still recommend this movie? I think if you have kids, take them to go see it. I think that if you grew up and you were watching the animated Lion King, just go ahead and watch it again at home, on your phone. <laughs> I really hope we can send Disney a message. Like, don't give them money. Don't be like, oh, you know what? I kind of, you know, I'm kind of curious to see it. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Don't. If you, if you're, uh, if you've, if you've loved the original animated film, don't give them the money for this. This is a soulless cash grab to me. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's our review. Like I said, I'm very curious to see how you all feel about it. Please let us know in the comments what you think. And again, uh, I'll be putting links about how you can help the situation back home with the immigrant detentions. And just thank you for sticking with us. This concludes the latest episode of Blurred Up. If you want to find us once again, we are on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. We're also on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period up and we're on twitter at b-l-e-r-d-u thank you again and we'll see you again soon peace, peace.